Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and on the line is Rob Hayes in For Fox Sake HQ2. Hello Rob, up in Sheffield. How are you? How's the leaky roof? That's the burning question. Uh, still leaking, but not quite so badly. The roofers came out and said, no, it's too wet for us to fix it, but they've covered it temporarily and we've got a few buckets in place. So I'm not in the usual recording room again, but things are slightly less drastic than the last time we spoke. It sounded fine last time. I do say that and I didn't listen to it back. I listened to every episode the next day on the way to work, etc. Every single episode, but I've just realised I didn't actually listen to the last one, even though it was recorded, as you heard, uh, or as you said last time, in a different location. But never mind, I'm sure it was tipped up. Uh, no one complained, but there we go. Um, I did actually have one person. Let's just start on this. It's a bit of a complete segue to what I was going to start with, but uh, I did have one person. Rep- you would be proud of me here, Rob. You're going to be proud of me. On the old Twitter front, I could have got into a Twitter spat with uh, with someone I don't know using the uh, the official for Fox Eight Twitter feed. It was regarding um, if you go back to Liverpool away <laughs> and the Hamza Chowdhury tackle on Salah. Now I rip I put a tweet out uh, saying that during the game, I think it was the game against Arsenal when Liverpool uh, when Liverpool played Arsenal. And Lalana brought someone down on the edge of the area in a very similar. You see it all the time. Um, a foul from behind, the trip, etc., and you take one for the team, a yellow card. And I put a a message out along the lines of, "Oh look, there we go. Exactly the same kind of tackle, but there's no massive furore and no one's throwing a young player under the bus and all that sort of thing because that's what Klopp did. We all know the story. Uh, unfortunately." What happened on Sunday with Hyun-min Son and Gomez and the and the tackle and the the injury etc. A lot of misfortune in that and it was a um you know a, a horrible incident. But someone then replied saying uh, there we go. There's a reason why these changes are da- uh, challenges are dangerous etc. etc. And I sat there for ages thinking now. A, the guy is right, but that doesn't actually reply to what I said. I was just referring to why is there no Liverpool furore over their own player doing it. It, it, So he kind of got the wrong angle, but uh, I didn't reply. And uh, (laughs) I was so close to, and it's been in my mind for about 48 hours now. And I'm still not going to. I'm above that. (laughs) I'm, I'm beyond that sort of thing. And it's the sort of thing that we've mentioned on this show loads of times about the online world and how crazy and, and and don't take it to heart or or don't let it you know uh we will report things that kind of happen on there it's because some people might not be on social media and, and and take much notice but anything major i mean there's a few things today that i've got i've got written down a few bits and bobs for the show and they've all come from the internet and from social media that found out bits and bobs so there is good but uh yeah i thought you'd be quite proud of that because i think if you saw a reply i was going to write then you 
<laughs> quickly would have phoned me up and said, Pete, don't put your phone down, mate. Come on. Anyway. You're right. I am proud of you because um, <laughs> this is the right place to vent those frustrations. This is like Leicester social media therapy. If you just come on here, you've not slandered anybody. You've just said exactly what's happened. You've, yeah. you've uh, communicated your frustrations in a sensible and mature way. I can only Nearly. begin to. I did. I, obviously, I get the notifications when I occasionally do tweet from F, uh, at FFS Pod. Not very often, but I do keep an eye on everything that's going on on there. Um, and when that was sort of happening, I was sitting there waiting for. <laughs> I was waiting for you to put something on that might have been a little bit uh, close to the line, shall we say? But well done. You are. Yes. You are controlling your. Twitter spats. I I realised that actually, yeah, this is this is my therapy. This is where I can actually just say, oh, this has happened. This, there we go. I, I, why didn't I think of that before? But anyway, that's that's happened. Uh, but Leicester also have uh, won a game of football, another game, and they continue to win in different ways, shapes, and form. It wasn't nine. It was never going to be nine. But a very important away winner against a side who have been a real banana skin for Leicester in the last few years but they know their strengths they know their weaknesses and I thought Roy Hodgson at the end of the game was incredibly candid with his views on his own side by basically saying they've got no forwards so we have to play this football we have to be solid and defensive because we can't score goals which kind of is what really happened on, on it during the game but it was a very frank interview I thought afterwards with TV but another win in a different way. During the game, jotting a few bits and bobs down on the notes section of your phone as you watch it with a few friends talking nonsense about the football. It was so different to the game against Southampton. It would be, but it was so different to how we've been lauding Leicester in the last few weeks by being able to break down size, scoring goals and beating teams who they've been struggling against in recent years, maybe not the side themselves, but the way that they play in lights of Burnley and when Newcastle came. And this is a different performance because we were strong, we were resolute, we were very solid. And it highlighted different areas of the side that haven't been highlighted recently because of the, the, the free-flowing football. We had that with the second goal, yes. But this was a game where the likes of Soyuncu really... Not came to the fore, but he showed off his skills in a way that he has done in many games. But because the game was quite scrappy, it highlighted the centre-halves. It highlighted Ndidi uh, and Evans as well. I thought that, that kind of triangle really was the the fulcrum of, of, of everything, really. They were the, the driving aspect of the side because anything that was pumped forward by Crystal Palace was repelled. And also, not just repelled, but with a kind of a big smile on the faces as well. I think Soyuncu just really enjoyed that game because the attention was on him. He got his head on a lot of things, including the corner, but not only the goal. It, it, it was almost like I've just played for 90 minutes against Southampton and I've not had a kick and I'm raring to go and I'm playing against a, a long ball-ish team, but a, a more direct team and I'm going to be uh, really need to be on my A game here. And he, and he really was, wasn't he? He was, yeah, and he, he loves defending, doesn't he, Soyuncu? Obviously, he got his goal, first goal for Leicester. Um, we've, we've been sort of wanting that to happen, haven't we? He's, he's gone from a, actually, from a cult hero figure almost because the first few games, nobody really knew what to make of him. He, he looks like a cartoon character out of Shrek. 
Um, and we wondered whether he was just a bit over-eager and whether his performances would tail off. But I, I think he's gone from cult hero to, to well-established first-team Leicester player and one of the best defenders we've had in quite a long time in terms of his aggressive nature. So for him to get his goal, his first goal for Leicester and, and see how the rest of the team celebrated with him, I think shows what kind of a character he is as well. But yeah, from a defensive point of view, he just seems to love a challenge, whether it's whichever box it's in, uh, whether it's on the ground, whether it's in the air, whether it's a, a foot race, a one-on-one duel. I, I've not seen many opposition players win in any way, shape or form against Chaglar Suyuncu this season. And that's why he's been so impressive. You know, um, you probably wouldn't back Johnny Evans so much in a one-on-one situation if somebody was running at him, maybe, or running on off his shoulder uh, onto a through ball. You wouldn't back Johnny Evans, but Johnny Evans brings a lot of wealth a wealth of experience to the side. Of course he does, and he's got certain things that he does well, but I think Soyuncu, 1v1, is a fantastic defender. And yes, Crystal Palace don't have the most uh, potent of front lines, but at home, they're always tough to beat. They've started pretty well this season, I think better than a lot, pe- a lot of people would have thought they would have. So to keep them very, very quiet, get stuck in, have a great game alongside Evans um, and Didi, of, of course, at the base of the midfield as well, supporting that. And then to get up and get his goal, albeit the marking was absolutely atrocious for his goal, but he still had to get his head on it. And he still put it in the back of the net. So it was another very strong performance from him, especially because he'd been featured in the club's uh, media sort of output that week in terms of he'd been interviewed um, and and just saying sort of how he's settling in in Leicester, how he's enjoying his run of games, how he's learning lots off of Johnny Evans. So it was a game where we were watching him for that reason, but also for the fact that he had to do more defending than he's been used to in the last few games. So hats off to him. He did that very, very well. And he got his goal, which I'm very, very happy about for him. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of half delighted he scored because the game against Southampton I backed Soyuncu. I don't know whether I mentioned it last time. I had Soyuncu 66 to 1 first goal against Southampton. I think I did last week actually. And I sat there with a group of mates watching it on TV and when he scored, I completely forgot and I don't normally have a, a wager on Leicester at all, but when it's a live game, you know, maybe something like a Soyuncu or an Evans or Chilwell, whoever, just at a price for a bit of interest, a bit of fun. And as soon as he scored, everyone just stared at me, like turned around and went, well, have you? And I, and I had no idea what they were talking about. I was like, I have a what? 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 Are you, what? And then they went 66 to 1. I just went, oh my God, no, I haven't. Like, oh dear. So yes, it was great. Oh yeah, great, fantastic. But before that, it was a great header by Evans, tipped over. And then I don't know where the marking went, but he's done well to cushion the header really in to, to get down and, and to twist his body to, to then head the ball past the keeper. And once we went one up, looked really comfortable in the game, I thought. And a, a fabulous goal, the, the second goal, the movement the one touch, the ability of Gray to come on. And if you're a defender, you've played for 70-odd minutes and you've had you know, Perez and, and Vardy, etc. They've been running at you. They've had Barnes as well. Uh, it's not quite worked out for Barnes and um, Iosi Perez. But the one thing, actually, I will say about Perez, 
it, yes, it wasn't really his kind of game, in, and he got, got, got kind of found out a few times in possession of the ball in his own half, which I think the manager will be quite upset with. But it was a, a lovely run by Iosi Perez that brought the first corner, which then was tipped over, and then they scored Soyuncu with the second corner. So it was actually a really good run by him, beat a few players, and he went out for a corner. That led to the goal. So yes, you'd say it wasn't his best game ever, but he actually made a, a real telling contribution. But the goal itself, Gray comes on, great interchange. Because we were one up, uh, Tillemans then started to really get a hold of the game and again he looked really comfortable and he finds a good pass lovely step over isn't it by Gray Vardy round the corner Gray and Rogers said in his interview at the end of the game that it's probably the best pass that Gray's played the pass back then to Vardy straight away didn't take a touch didn't then take a while to think about things it was an instinct thing which all the best players have and you'd like someone like Gray to start to really use, whether it's beating the player. I hate it, and I've said a number of times, when a winger gets to a man and then they start to stutter and then maybe move out the way. No, free flow past the player. If you get tackled, you get tackled. But if you do beat the man, then you've gone. And if you've got the pace of Gray, do it. Be a bit more instinctive, that's what I'd like. And this really was. Pass back to Vardy, who scores... And does an amazing celebration in front of the fans. When will they learn? It, they won't. Fans all around the Premier League will always be calling Vardy because of what he's done in the past and because of what happened online with his wife. But if you're going to do it, carry on doing it because he's, it's going to bite you back. And uh, and there was a lovely picture which I, I commented on of a still of Vardy doing his uh, eagle celebration and it was the crowd behind him. And... In the crowd, there's it's kind of like 50-50, 50-50 of kind of laughing because you know, oh, he's he, you know he's taking the mic. We understand why, and then complete anger and people losing their minds, and it's a lovely 50-50 split all over the picture of the uh, the crowd behind Vardy, and it, it is quite entertaining. But uh, a, a fantastic goal, one of the goals where at the end of the season, I'm sure when it comes into the goal of the season category that will be there along with quite a few others so far but uh, it, it really was a, a highlight of the game it was yeah the link up play between the two of them was fantastic and we we've talked a lot about Damari Gray on various episodes of this podcast and he has started to realize under Brendan Rodgers that making a significant impact on the game from whatever position he's introduced to it from. So whether he's starting it, whether he's coming on as a sub, um, it's something that he's got to do to be in the match day squad because he would he would have been not, not necessarily surprised, but quite annoyed to have been left out of early squads at the start of the season. Um, but he's gone the right way about making a positive change for himself. He came on, he looked very lively, very direct, and that link-up play with Jamie Vardy made Damari Gray look so sharp like he'd been playing week in, week out for 10, 11 weeks now. Um, so so to have players who are operating at that level of um, sort of intent and confidence coming off of the bench to contribute to, to the goal that made things nice and comfortable for us is a really, really positive uh, thing to see. 
Uh, I like that. Yeah, I like the stills from Jamie Vardy's celebration. Rem- reminded me a little bit of his um, one when he was winding up the Sheffield United fans. But, you, you, you know, the slightly more respectable social media outlets like, you know, BBC Sport or Match of the Day's social media, they have to zoom these pictures in quite considerably and almost um, make sure the background's slightly out of focus because there are usually plenty of obscene gestures towards Jamie Vardy. But, yeah, the slight contrast in this, in terms of this one at Crystal Palace, because it wasn't sort of so inflammatory as the one at Sheffield United and because the the level of conflict between... Jamie Vardy and Sheffield United fans is on a whole new level compared to that of Crystal Palace fans. They kind of respected a little bit the retort and the the humour behind it. Um, and look, Jamie Vardy only gets the opportunity to have a say back against the opposition fans because he's scoring goals. Uh, and that's great. If the opposition fans want to keep winding him up so he's more determined to score, then by all means, go for it. Bring his wife into it. I don't care. Absolutely don't care because if you get in Jamie, if you're getting an extra two or three percent out of a riled up Jamie Vardy, it's only going to be uh, be beneficial to Leicester. It is, and it will continue because every set of fans are going to want their turn. And when Vardy plays, even if it's not at the forefront of fans' minds, as soon as they see him in the flesh in the stadium, they'll go, "Oh yeah, that's that. That's right. We haven't shouted that at him yet because we haven't played him, etc." So that will carry on. But there you go. It's going to fire him up and. He's top goal scorer in the Premier League. And it was a, a comfortable win in the end uh, in, in quite a scrappy game. But you're going to get that really in, uh, at Selhurst Park. And we move on to a, a fantastic game this weekend against Arsenal, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, one or two other things. Uh, today, there was an interest in uh, what we were referring to earlier on Twitter. You find bits and bobs out. Uh, the Price of Football, a, uh, a Twitter handle. Uh, who goes through football finances and tries to uncover when there's an undisclosed fee by looking at club accounts to try and work out what that fee was for various bits and bobs. And uh, the fee that Leicester paid for Rogers and his backroom staff, Carlo Torre, etc., everyone that came to the club uh, has been uh, has worked out by this guy by through uh, the accounts at Celtic. It was uh, put down on the accounts as £8.8 million. So it just shows you, £8.8 million, yes, we do sign players for an awful lot more, but for a manager, that's a lot of money. And so £8.8 million Leicester paid to get Rodgers to come before the end of the season and how well that worked out. In terms of, not quite how well we're doing now, but in what Rodgers saw and the experience of him coming before the season finished was vital. I mean, no illusions really that at the end of the season, Rogers would have won all them trophies and then probably would have come anyway. But they paid the money to get him there and then, and and there you go, eight point eight million, uh, a real big amount. It was rumored to be around about the eight to nine million. So those uh, those rumors were true, Rob. Yeah, it, it, it is. We talked about it at the time, saying that going and getting the man, and we knew that there was. Um significant amount of money exchanged without being able to put an actual figure on it uh, at the time but it, it it is reaping the rewards now and it's a it's a fairly small investment really when you do consider the amount that you'd invest in a player um that's to bring a, one of the best managers in terms of ability uh, in terms of coaching ability and in terms of 
current league position, you've got to say one of the best managers in, in Leicester's history. I know he's only been there a short period of time, but it, it shows that the um, the board and top, etc., went and got their man, said, don't really care how much it's going to cost. We've got the financial clout to do that. And ultimately, the manager and the coaching staff are the ones that guide the the players through the matches. And there there are times, you know, when you look at managers of certain calibres and certain abilities getting sacked left, right and centre. Manage, manage, the manager's job is a very precarious one, regardless of what club you're at. Sometimes you look at it and you think, well, that manager's getting the best they can out of that squad and you'd be better off spending some money on some players. Whereas now we have got a manager who cost a fair bit of money, but he's getting more out of a squad than most of the managers could. So the, the sort of expenditure is justified, if you like, and it's a small exp- a small price to pay for the level of performance that we're enjoying at the minute. I was going to say level of success. Obviously, success is, is subjective for many, but success ultimately would be come the end of the season when you know what league position you finished in or whether there's a trophy in the bag. But level of performance certainly and and sort of the the unlocking and the reaching of the potential of the young players is really does justify the price tag and I don't really care what the number is I'm just pleased that that Leicester was were happy to say right that's the one we want here's the money you want let's get him in now and I I, I completely echo your thoughts there Pete I, th- I don't think we'd be in the situation we're in now had Brendan Rodgers joined us at the end of the season, which he would have been well within his rights to do, pocket some um, record-breaking trophies and titles with Celtic and then come to Leicester for the next challenge. But he put some foundations in place during the back end of last season that are really, really reaping their rewards now. Yeah, and and the one thing that I would put on the end of that is that the £8.8 you have to look at it in relative terms, to Celtic, that's a lot of money, and that's not kind of saying, "Oh, look at look at us," but it's just the way it is. Eight point eight million. If they receive that for a player, they'll be delighted with that. So to get it for a manager, and a manager that's done very well at their club, in a sense of that they can get another manager in who could really go and win the league next year and the cups, etc. It's you know, it's it's not the hardest thing to do because it's been shown over the last. Well, umpteen years of uh, of of Scottish uh, Premier League football, and that's it's very easy for it for Celtic to win the league. So, eight point eight million, they must have looked at it and gone, yeah, why not? You know, he'll probably leave in the summer, so we'll we'll take the the big fee and uh, and move on, which they have, and of course we have. Now, uh, I mentioned on the last uh, episode that I went, so I was going to go to the Memorial Garden, the 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 Vishine Memorial Garden by the. The King Power Stadium, uh, crash site, etc. But that will now be called the uh, Memorial Garden. And uh, I put some pictures online. Hopefully, you saw them on Facebook or on the Twitter handle at FFS Pod. If you're not following us on Facebook, then just type in for Fox Sake Podcast, and you'll find us on there. Just click like, and it means you'll get all the posts, etc. And hopefully, I took some decent photos. I try and get some kind of scale because I know a lot of people wouldn't have been there uh, either through not being able to at the moment because it's only been open for what a week or so 
or else you might be living elsewhere in the world. We know there's many listeners around the world too for Fox 8 Podcast who, uh, for obvious reasons, won't have been down there. It's it's a nice area. The one thing I will say is that it's surrounded by buildings and car parks, etc. So in time, when the area is redeveloped, according to the plans that we've seen, it will be kind of a, a, a centrepiece. It will blend into the area. At the moment, it does kind of stand out. But it's, it's quite a big area. It's quite understated. It's not over the top. There's areas to sit. There's areas to walk through. There's different sections. Uh, you've seen photos of uh, the small three waterfalls with plaques. There's different plaques around there with various messages on and descriptions. Um, obviously, there was a lot of flowers and this, that and the other because it was obviously only a week old and the, the anniversary. But um, it's it's a very nice area. A lot of topiary in shapes of elephants and foxes and also uh, a rearing up horse as well and uh, it's it's well worth visiting i know a lot of people will be visiting on match days and if you can't get on match days you'll be visiting to go to the shop i coincided it with a, a trip to the shop i wanted to go to the memorial garden anyway fabulous fan store at the king power uh <laughs> i'd go in there and I, I didn't buy anything but i could have spent an absolute fortune but um it's well worth having a trip to go and, and look see it's obviously going to be busy on match days uh, for the first few especially so uh, I would coincide it with a, a bit of Christmas shopping when going to the fan store between now and Christmas uh, and go and take a look and then we'll see how it grows into itself because it's obviously just been opened and there's still work going on but uh, no it, it's it, it's very nice in a, in a very weird sense you know what I mean when I say that but uh, for what they've done it, like I said it's not over the top it's, it is understated I'd love to see it in the summer I think it really will be quite something in the summer once it all grows into itself and, and starts to bloom but uh, yeah and, and, and the area surrounding it will be completely redeveloped when those plans will be released properly and when some kind of time scale the training ground will be complete in the summer in time for next season and I'd imagine off the top of my head then once they start next season they would then look towards redeveloping the area and the east stand there might be something depending on what happens with the east stand in terms of if you're a season ticket holder there whether for the last few games of the season because the idea about the development would be similar to what they did at Liverpool by building the stand kind of or the extension behind the stand and then moving it in place so there might be a bit of disruption towards the end of probably next season, do the work over the summer in time for the new season. That's roughly how things would work. Whether it's that quick, we'll wait and see. But uh, So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is a memorial garden. It is what it is. But my advice is to get down there if you can. I will take your advice, Pete, and I will definitely make sure I get a trip in before Christmas and, and have a look. Thank you very much for putting the, the, the pictures on. I know we spoke about it last time and we said... The pictures will give some kind of a sense. You know, the official photos are, are all well and good, but, you know, sometimes it's nice to see it through a, a fan's camera lens as well. Uh, and as you say, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, I would imagine now that being one of the centrepieces or the focal point, if you like, of the regeneration of that area surrounding the King Power Stadium. I know on the very early sort of release of plans that, that we saw um quite a good few months ago now though there was a plan for a, a new uh, public footpath to be come down from further up raw dykes road which i would imagine will pass close by that um that memorial garden so it, it will be 
at the heart, I would imagine, of the development around that area, and, and so it should be. And it would be nice, actually, to see it in the different seasons as well. Obviously, you've seen it in its infancy, uh, in what is now autumn, uh, and, and it will look very different again come, come spring and summer, I'm sure. But it, it's a nice place to go. And I think people will use it not just for... Um, a memorial for the for the events that happened and for Kunvichai, but also possibly as a place to to reflect themselves as well. I know there's the the other garden sort of round the the opposite side of the King Power, if you like, but it just gives another place for for uh, for fans to sort of take a period of reflection, really. And it it just reminds you, really, you know, there's thirty odd thousand Leicester fans that go down there most weeks for the home games, and countless others that go to the club shop, etc. And it just reminds you, actually, that it's not all about the 90 minutes on the football pitch. That There's a lot more to a football club. There's a lot more to the football community. And it's nice to have that so in such close proximity, really, to, to where the football happens, if you like. Exactly. That's what I would like the football ground to become. Because at the moment, it's not a ground that you would go to unless you're going to the game or unless you're going to a specific function or to the shop and to go to the shop you're parking across the road and you have to cross the road it's not quite um, incredibly well thought out it's not the easiest area it really does need development it would nice it would be nice for the whole area to become a place where you can walk around there was a, a nature walk planned a, a path that you mentioned from Rawdykes up on to Elston Road as well through from there and whether the indoor arena gets built as well, that'll be another reason. But you're looking at bigger shops, bigger fan stores, museums, restaurants, cafes. You're looking for an area to go, do you know what, let's go down to King Power and go and have a, on a nice day, you could go on the the, the walk through the area, the, the redevelopment of the fans memorial garden. That was going to be completely expanded onto the banks uh, from where the weir is there. And make and oh, we can go to the restaurant for something to eat. We can go to the other restaurant that maybe it's just a burger place or more fast foody type food. We can have a drink, see the statues, have a look at the museum, sit in the garden, make it a place to go. So if you're not in the centre of Leicester, if you're like myself and and you were on the outskirts of Leicester, I mean I'm what twenty twenty five minutes away really up in Shepshed. So it's it is easy for me because I travel down the M1 and it was look I can just nip in after work and join the middle of the day because of the the time of day that I work it was easy for me to go but what a nice thing to do you know what let's go to the King Power today and it's a nice day and you can spend an, a, a good few hours there at the moment it's not quite got that and it's no fault of Leicester it's just the way that things are the club's progressing and hopefully that's what the redevelopment will will turn into and the Vichy Garden will become that kind of figure point and I mentioned when it was the first pictures were released it will be let's meet by the elephant let's meet by the horse the fox the waterfalls that will become the the norm for a lot of people on match day and and that's really what you want a memorial garden uh to be that's where and of course you're always going to think of each and you're the people who, who died in the crash but uh so yes yeah, so I presume a lot of people will get down like I said there's a lot of people turning up when I was there with um flowers etc there was specific signs around saying that so all the flowers that were left there and they were left before a year ago uh, that were recycled and it's been used to put onto the the garden where 
flowers are being grown etc so there's a it's, it's a very well thought out thing and uh, just like everything at Leicester at the moment off the field uh, it seems to be incredibly well run and incredibly well thought out but that also applies to on the field as well because we've advanced in the cup uh, by beating Burton we won't really go into the Burton game to, uh, too much really they they won they're through but the draw away at Everton it's not the best draw it's not the worst draw. We could have had Manchester United. We could have had Man City, which I think was the game we're all dreading. Uh, Liverpool would have been difficult, but now because of them playing now twice in two days, that turns into almost a bit of a buy, you'd say, for Aston Villa because they're going to be playing against a proper youth team, not just the team that played against Arsenal in that crazy 5-5 game. What a game of football that was. Fantastic. But you got to remember their midfield included the likes of Cater, they also had Milner, they had Lalana, Origi played. They're all going to be in Dubai or wherever that Club World Cup is. So Villa, pretty much you'd imagine, will have one foot in the semi-final. Away at Everton, it's not going to be easy. And it's going to be before the Manchester City away game in the Premier League the following weekend before Christmas. But you'd think Leicester in this tie would have to play and we'll discuss it near the time in more detail but we'll just touch on it now Everton will play their first team I'm under no doubt about it and I think Leicester they'll have to they can't make as many changes and I don't think they will no I don't think so I think we had the luxury of making so many changes when we played the likes of Luton and Burton no disrespect to them but they got the result that you would expect them to get regardless of which personnel were in a Leicester shirt um Everton are not very good. Marco Silva is not particularly secure in his job. So they are going to want to do as, as best they can in whatever competition they're in. So I agree that their, their team is going to be virtually full strength, maybe a, a, a rotation here or there. So I think we'd have to match that to give ourselves the best opportunity of of progressing. I think Brendan Rodgers will be sensible about that and, and make sure that that's the case. Yeah, I I agree. And of course, we'll talk about that set nearer the time. Now, um, also in cup action, the EFL Trophy, the under-21 sides, they're now top of the group. And I, along with many other people, do follow, I presume you do as well, what happens with the under-21s. And we're a top three club in the Premier League. It's going to be mighty difficult for a youth player to break through. When they do, they need to be exceptionally talented, chill well. Chowdhury, etc. But the under-21s really have kicked on this season. Hurst scoring a lot of goals up top. And they won 2-1 away at Sunderland in the EFL Trophy. A lot of Premier League sides, under-21 sides in this competition playing away from home against lower league opposition from League One downwards. And you'd say Sunderland would probably be one of the, or if not the hardest game that you could play. And to win away 2-1 really for me kind of went hang on these players have really kicked on they're starting to beat some good league teams and there's two or three players in particular who I'd say are really catching the attention of what would be something for next season I don't think this season they'll be in any way shape or form getting near the first team squad but they'll be looking to break into that squad next year and it might be just putting a few 
question marks surrounding other players in the first team squad and taking their position. But it's really good that this side has kicked on. Everyone wants youth players to come through. But when you are so so good as we are in third in the Premier League and looking if we're going to buy a player or to kick on with a certain position, you're looking at top players in world football, really, you have to be. To have a youth team where they're performing so well they could be breaking into the first team squad is a really, really positive thing for the club. It is, yeah. And this is, not I wouldn't say the first time in a long time, but I'm, I'm starting to look out for their highlights and, and maybe even whenever I can find the time to, to watch them live now because they are better to watch than I think they have been in, in quite a long time. Um, there's there's a lot of quality in there and like you say, a lot of exciting potential as well. Some of the goals that have been scored this, this season, by the way, I think they've been so good that the club have had no choice but to put them in the mix with um, goal of the month, with the club's sort of in-house goal of the month um, voting because they are starting to stand up and get noticed. Um, I think the move to Holmes Park has probably benefited things because it's actually a place where people can go and watch a game of football um, and they've redeveloped that area um, in terms, certainly in terms of the playing surface and the spectator areas to, to sort of meet the standards expected there. But they upped their level of performance once more when playing what what is a fully professional outfit in Sunderland. Obviously, all of the Leicester under-23s, development squad, whatever, will get paid an amount. So they are all professional footballers, but with very limited league experience. And for whatever you think of the development league, it's got stronger and more competitive over the last few years with the rejigs, but it's still not quite competitive full adult, if you like, football. So our under-23s really rose to the occasion against Sunderland and, and to, to be at the top of the EFL Trophy group, having beaten them, I think it was Grimsby they beat, they've beaten as well, um, and and come back from a goal down and score. Did you see Dewsbury Hall's goal where he jinxed past two players and gets himself just inside the box and belted it into the top corner? Him and George Thomas are, are very good in the centre of that midfield and obviously we're... we're Spoilt for choice in the centre of the park, really, at the minute. So they are doing as best as they can to knock on the door to be in, in and around the, the first-team squad. But I would imagine that Brendan Rodgers is watching them very closely and will be using their talent in training, certainly. to uh, and, and like you say, Pete, I think next season, possibly, if we cut away some of the other fringe players... Who, who aren't getting near the first team really like, you know, somebody like Mendy or Amati, then that opens up the opportunity for a couple of these academy players to to graduate, to be in and around the first team 20-25 players. Certainly, Dewsbury Hall, he's, uh, he's a Shepshire lad actually, so a bit more interest in me really with uh, with someone from so close to, to where I'm from. Uh, Hurst up front, we know how he came to the club um, and there's a player who's starting to score, and because of his size, um, what was his dad's name? Was it David Hurst back in the 90s with uh, Sheffield Wednesday? Because he's, he's a very similar kind of player, and uh, I've I seen him score, I saw him score a hat-trick, seen him score, it's terrible English, I saw him score a hat-trick for England on the 20, under-19s it was, at St George's Parker a few years ago, and 
it just looked a, a real player. And again, someone, because of his size, you look at it and you go, well, actually, Iniacho is the natural replacement for Vardy. If touch wood, we need to replace Vardy. And then from, who, who, who else do we have? And, and Hurst would probably be that person. There's a number of players in that side who, who look very, very promising indeed. Benkovic actually played as well. There was a slight discussion with Rogers regarding bringing in another centre-half, whether Benkovic possibly isn't the player that he thinks or hasn't progressed or whether Scottish Premier League football just is so poor that it looked a world-beater. But it turns out when you're flying high in the Premier League, he's maybe not the person to come in yet and he might need another season or two before he's near first-team football. We'd all bow to the knowledge of the training staff and the management regarding Benkovic it's an interesting one but uh, it really is encouraging and when they built that new training ground once that's up and running I would love the main pitch there just as they have at Manchester City to be then a place where you can very easily go as a supporter and watch the under 21 side even a younger team than that under 17 side you can go very easy to park to go and watch those games uh, Leicester City women's side as well, all based in the same ground. That's what I would like. A very uniformed um, setup at the football club, just like, say, Manchester City, because that was uh, the ground, the training area near the Etihad that they did base the new training ground on. I'd love that to be a very uniform thing. So, oh, tell you what, let's go and watch Leicester City women. And you know exactly that you can drive in, it, the facilities are great, really nice, bang, go and watch it. Under 21s. Great, I know exactly. It's at Seagrave, new training ground. Bang, go and watch it. And it's dead easy. I'd love that to become the norm. And for fans of whatever age to go and watch who can't maybe get to the King Power for a first-team game. That that would be ideal. That's what I really want out of the new training ground. But good news then on the under-21 front. They've been doing really well in the last few years. Under-21s, the under-23s, whatever they're kind of called. I think they're actually referred to as under-21s in that competition. And then but they're under-23s elsewhere. don't quite understand why, but never mind. They've been doing well in the leagues, but those wins against fully professional sides, they really do count, and uh, and that's when you really do take notes, in my opinion. Anyway, on to Arsenal then. This coming weekend, it's the big game of Saturday. It's the big game of the weekend. I can't think what Super Sunday is. I don't care. It's the evening game. And it's the biggest game of the season for Leicester. It has to be. They've played Man United. They've played Liverpool. They've lost narrowly to both sides. But they've got in this position now. They are six points clear of fifth place. Now, I know we are towards the top of the league. But at the moment, I think everyone really, it's all about what is the gap between fourth and fifth. Can we qualify for the Champions League? That has to be the conversation now. Yes, we want Europe, but in the position we're in, it's now, can we stay in that top four? Okay, so the gap between ourselves and not qualifying for the Champions League is six points. And it just so happens that in fifth place is Arsenal. And they're the team. Okay, we've got an 11-goal difference positive for us. So if we win on Saturday, that goal difference is going to go up. But also the gap to Arsenal, who I'm still classifying as the main dangers until another side, maybe Spurs, maybe United, you never know, overtakes them and they become the nearest challengers. But for now, Arsenal are the nearest challengers to Leicester, not qualifying from the Champions League. I know 
it's just in November, but if we win, that's nine points. And then you have, and it sets us up perfectly for what on paper looks a very good run of games. Yeah, and we said this on the, the podcast last time or the time before, that you've got to count these now as big games because that's what they are. It's a, it's a game against a, a close rival in terms of Premier League position. Um, and it's a game that psychologically um, could open up a, a quite a considerable gap between us and the rest, if you like. It, it's a game that that if it was four or five games from the end of the season, you'd be billing up as one of the biggest games of the season. So why does it matter so much then? And and why does it feel a little bit strange talking about it mattering so much now? It's not that we're putting undue pressure on anything. It's not that we're blowing games out of proportion. It's the fact that if we want to maintain this run of form, if we want to be real serious contenders for maintaining this league position then we've got to treat this with the respect um, that it deserves. And it's got its billing on Sky Sports. It's, it's, everything is very much set up for a very good clash. And I think Arsenal are very much there for the taking as well. So it, it provides a real opportunity for us to, to put down a, another different kind of marker. I mean, obviously every team in the Premier League is slightly different and every game is slightly different, but... I think over the over the course of the last three or four games in particular, we've really demonstrated that it doesn't matter how the pattern of the game pans out. It doesn't matter how the opposition set up. It doesn't matter uh, when the goals go in, that we have got enough in our armoury to win lots of different types of games of football. Uh, and this is another one where, where the pressure is is on a little bit because of the magnitude of the game and what it would represent in terms of league position um, and points gaps, etc. So it's just another different type of game for this group of players to go and prove that they can deal with uh, and prove that they can that they can beat. Because Arsenal are going to come and try and attack us. I don't, I don't think Arsenal have ever had it in them to park the bus under whichever manager has been in charge. So they'll come and try and play some expansive, free-flowing football. Um, and I really think if we're on our game and we rise to the occasion, we could slice them open because I, I really don't think they're very good. They've had the the issues around Granite Xhaka, who's now been stripped of the captaincy. Meza Ozil, if he fancies playing, he might get on the pitch. If he doesn't, then he'll probably just be chilling somewhere. Like, you know, they've got a lot of issues bubbling under the surface. And we, thankfully at the moment, haven't. We've got nothing but positivity oozing out of the club. Um, and that alone, plus the fact that we go into it as favourites. How often could you have said that, going into a game against Arsenal as favourites? We're at home, we're in form, we're above them in the league. There's no reason why we can't go into it, why we won't go into it as favourites. Um, and all in all, it's a very, very strong position to be in. And it is the magnitude of the game should be taken seriously. Yeah, their forward line is obviously their strong point. Lacazette, whether he plays, Bamyang's been given the captaincy. They are ropey at the back. They're ropey in midfield. Don't rate the goalkeeper as a shot stopper for me, but doesn't command his area. I know they've got a couple of decent fullbacks now. Tierney, uh, I think he's a very good player and, and, and one who possibly could have come Leicester, but obviously we have Chilwell. But 
Leicester have got to be the favourites. They've got to be the favourites to go and win the game. They've got to approach the game that they have done in recent weeks with positivity. They're going to be really frightened of Leicester, surely. They've just played away at Grimera's in the Europa League today, Wednesday, time of recording. It was a very changed side, but still a number of the side will be involved in what will be their first team squad. And the games involving Leicester and Arsenal over the last few years, plenty of goals. I can't imagine anything but plenty of goals again, probably at both ends, because again, they do have a lot of attacking talent. It is the big game of the weekend, and ignore the the, the Liverpool-Man City game. (laughs) What's who? Who are they? I think it's going to be very open. I agree with you. I think there's going to be plenty of goals. I think it's going to be fairly tight. I can't see Leicester running away with things, but I can see there being five or six goals even, and and hopefully Leicester come out on top, 4-2, 3-2, something along those lines. It's going to be the Remembrance Day game. Every club now really does hold a, a, a tremendous Remembrance Day service before the game and honour uh, the weekend, whichever weekend it is, according to their closest home game, it's going to be Leicester's. And we all know over the years, I think, and I think everyone would agree, that Leicester have been at the forefront, really, of the Remembrance Day services. And a lot of clubs, I think, would have looked at Leicester, maybe because they've played in those games and gone, hang on, they've done it really well. Remember all the, the, the helicopter stuff, um, the you know in the middle of the pitch, dropping the pitch, uh, the ball off, etc. And then all of the displays all around the ground. And, 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 and they've done it really well. And I'm, I'd imagine it will be just the same. So um, it's going to be... I'm sure a fantastic occasion, very loud, very boisterous. Their fans are going to try and get on the back of Vardy. I can't see anything but Vardy scoring at least once in the game. And I can see Leicester winning. I'm going to go for, and you know me, and everyone knows me in terms of Leicester. I, you know, like to be quite reserved when I come to what I think Leicester's going to do. I'm going to go for a 4 2 win. Big time. Six goals. Six yep. goal thriller. Uh, I will go for... I think there are going to be plenty of goals. Um, I think we'll struggle to keep a clean sheet, especially if Aubameyang's on song. Now he's got the captain's armband. I'm going to go for my mum's favourite score prediction. She predicts this for every Leicester game ever. 3-1 Leicester. 3-1 I knew you were going to say 3-1. 3-1 Leicester. So 4-2, 3-1. There we go. Win by two goals, but lots of goals. Uh, my um, one of the one of the producers at work is a big Arsenal fan, and he he turned around to me yesterday. He goes, um, he says, oh, I'm not looking forward to Saturday evening at all. I'm, he says, I'm at work and I'm here, but I'll have it on, and I'm not, I'm not too sure, you know, and all this. And I didn't say a thing. He looked at me and went, "You're going to be here as well, aren't you?" I said, "Yes, I'm here. I'm not going to the King Power. I'm working, unfortunately." I'm not going to be at the King Power, which is really annoying, but, you know, ships are ships, a job, job, job's a job, isn't it? And he just looked at me and went, oh, God. So that's the kind of, that's what an Arsenal fan thinks, and a, and a proper Arsenal fan as well. You're not talking someone who just buys a shirt every now and again. He's a proper Arsenal fan, and he just, he says, I can't believe you're going to be here. It's going to be so bad. So that shows you what, um, what Arsenal fans really think about things. Now, I asked for um, some questions on Twitter. Uh, anyone wanted to uh, ask a question granted I did that quite uh, recently so um, I think a lot of people will probably still be at work because we're actually recording this fairly early from what we normally would do so uh, one question came through from uh, Richard Enriquez who's uh, one of the um, one of the people on Twitter who replies to an awful lot of things that we put out there one of the uh, 
one of our, one of our top listeners, I'd say, uh, Richard is, and uh, and, he, and, he, and he puts it. It's a really interesting question, especially because I've got Sky Sports News in the background at the moment, and he goes on an ongoing theme. Uh, but why do so many ex-footballers, pundits and journalists think it's okay to want to dismantle our team of players and staff just because their team's not doing very well as expected? Uh, I hope we hold on to everyone and gain uh, most to really stick it to and rant over. It's a, it's a very good point that a lot of people do pick up on, especially online. A lot of stations like to pick apart our team. Who is player X going to next? Are they going to United or Liverpool, etc.? First of all, I would say there is history of one player every season going. You go back to Angolo Kante going to Chelsea. You got Drinkwater going. You got Mares going. You got Maguire last season going. And the that so so it, there is a precedence for that. But the one thing I will say is that a a channel like Sky Sports News has to put out content all the time. And if you watch Sky Sports News at 12.30 in the afternoon on a Tuesday where there's no football or a Monday morning, my God, they have to try and fill for hours and hours and hours. And they bring in Pundit X. It could be anyone. Charlie Nicholas is on right now, so I'll just mention him. Charlie, so this Leicester side are doing really well at the moment. They're third in the league. Uh, Talk to us about James Madison. Do you think Madison... Um, would fit into the Manchester City side or Liverpool or Man- Manchester United. And Nicholas goes, I think he'll fit right in at Manchester United. In fact, he's the perfect player for them because they're crying out for a creative number 10 behind Martial and Rashford. He'll fit into their side fantastic. That clip is then taken, put online. Charlie Nicholas thinks Madison should go to Manchester United. And then the snowball kind of goes. So there is that kind of, look, it's all bluff and it's all nonsense, really. But I do get what he means with trying to move these players on. It's only natural. Manchester United, Liverpool, some of the biggest clubs in the world, if not the biggest club in the world, with United, Man City, the richest club in the world, you'd say. And Leicester, with all of their players, I would just use it as a a badge of honour. We had Harry Maguire for a couple of seasons successful seasons for him and for the club really but we watched him play for England we watched him turn into the best centre half in England as an Englishman first choice for his country at the back playing the World Cup and then we sold him for an awful lot of money and we're not missing him because we got Soyuncu and so I just enjoyed the players that we've got at the moment and if pundits online or on radio stations there's one that likes to talk about sport a lot uh, a radio station, and they have to fill all the time. And 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 some people, oh, of course, they're going to move players to bigger clubs. But uh, I know exactly what he's saying. It is. It can be annoying at times, but just I just let it go over my head to be honest, because I know that they're just trying to fill. Because a lot of times I'm sit there and at half twelve watching him going, my God, you lot are struggling. Yeah, and I think the status that we've got as a club now means that we are going to be talked about. Um, and, and have been probably for the last four, three or four years, really, um, as uh, as more often than than a, than a team sort of in the middle of the bottom half of the Premier League. Uh, that that kind of comes with the territory of being a more successful club, of being a club that is now on the world map in terms of having won the Premier League. But I think we are moving with that status to a point where these kind of stories very soon will become relatively obsolete because 
we are everything is is pointing in the right direction for us to become one of those clubs that is not having the players linked with a move to a bigger club but being the bigger club where players from other teams are linked to i don't think we're an awful long way away from that from being in that position so take it as a compliment i don't think there's anything really that could um that could distract any of our players at the moment because the the feeling around the club the feeling around the the team is all so positive that this kind of news is is basically nonsense it's like you say it's it's often taken out of context as part of a much longer conversation and yes the players will read it but is it going to turn any heads right now absolutely not because well, there's two things, Rob. There's two things that are important. First, first of all, we're going to move into the training ground, and there's going to be really redevelopment of the stadium. So there are things that are happening, but there's two very important things. One is winning things. So winning a league cup, winning an FA cup, winning trophies. So you can turn around and say Leicester City you're going to earn a lot of money, great club to play for, but also look what we've won, recent Premier League winners. But also, if you play here or stay here in the case of this question, then you can win trophies because we, we have been doing so. The second one is year-on-year year qualification for European football. So at the moment, it's a great place to play. Why is Harry Maguire going to Manchester? Well, we're not playing in Europe. We're not playing in the Europa League. We're not playing in the Champions League. If he wants to play in that competition, which a player like him should aim to, then yes, United who are in Europe this season, but still, would they qualify next year? Possibly. But at the start of the season, you'd still, at the start of the season, you asked me, would Manchester United qualify for Europe next year? I'd probably say, yeah, I'd say yes. I'd say yes. And even if that's just for the Europa League. So again, he's going for European football. Less they need to, in the next few years, be qualifying, hopefully, for the Champions League, year in, year out. And then, if a club like United are staying down in 7th, 6th, 5th place then Leicester will then become, after two or three years, that club where, hang on, if you come here, you're guaranteed, look at the last two or three years, European football at the highest level, hopefully. And also, we've won the League Cup a couple of times, say, and you're guaranteed, look at our past, uh, track record, you've got a really good chance of winning the trophy at the moment. I could understand if a player like Madison would be looking at even a United and turn around and go, well, you know, I could go to United and we could go on progress and, and win things, etc. I can understand that. I At this moment, hopefully, in a couple of years' time, we're that club where you can say, look, stay and you've got the football, you've got the European football and the trophies. That's what we're all aiming for. That's hopefully what we become. Now, on to the main thing, really. And that is the fantasy football. We all know what happened last week. It was a complete disaster. No one got any points because Leicester won 9-0. Who's going to put a Leicester player in this side? That's only crazy talk. It's crazy. Anyway, yes, I dropped down the league quite severely. But this week was another week. Anyway, let's find out who's in the top 10. In 10th place, uh, 640 points we're starting with in 10th place. And that is Vini Vidi Vardi, Ben Melbourne in 9th with 641. FC Vladivich Barbers, uh, Steve Curtin 
In 8th place, 650 points, Scott Neal uh, with uh, various multitude FC. In 7th place, going down to 7th, 664 points, Gav Brown, Saigon Foxes, they've been in the top 10 for quite a while. Up into 6th on all the 6s, it's going to be a dreadful week for him. It's Jonathan Towers with Vardy Party. Top 5, 671 points, Joe Healy, Vardy Annuals. In fourth place, still solid in fourth place, 692 points. Bit of a gap between fifth and fourth. It's you, Rob. Rob Hayes with FFS. And then the top three, down into third place, 707 points. It's Matthew Archer, Pedro City. Top two, up into second, 727 points. Really good week, 86 points. Four, Daniel McCready, Rogers, the cabin boy, and still top. Only by 10 points, though. Still had a very good week. 737 points is Alex Ekonomi with a video kill the Saudio. So that is the top 10. Now, I am down in 23rd place. I got 74 points, Rob, which was uh, five more than yourself. Uh, and I am up into 23rd. But in terms of the top 10, I am 24 points away from the top 10. So not bad at all. I had a decent week myself. Just going to my team, I had Aguero, uh, Lundstrom, I think everyone had who scored a couple, Soyuncu who scored, I got Abrahams, etc. So a decent week. It could have been better at one point. I thought it was looking really good. And uh, for you, uh, you got Vardy. Uh, you got Mane as your captain, scored your points. I think Jimenez scored as well, didn't he? Uh, there we go. And uh, Robertson as well scored, so a decent week for you. But uh, slowly getting on back, back of an even keel after the horror of last week, much to many people's entertainment, by the way. It was. It was very funny, and I'm sure you've uh, been ribbed about it uh, in various quarters over the last week, as you deserve to be. Even your dad commented on our podcast posting on SoundCloud saying um, that he's finally getting the hang of this fantasy football thing. Um, I don't know whether that's via his own team or via your sister's team, Um, but no, you're still within touching distance of the hallowed top ten of being able to once again read out your team name. But yeah, I'm... I'm remarkably managing to to keep up a solidly high level. Um, I don't know when the wheels are going to fall off. It's going to happen at some point and you will take great delight in it. But I am very happy being in a Champions League place at the minute. I can see you're miles clear of me. I resisted the temptation to make a transfer last week. So I have two this week. Uh, and I think I'm going to... I'm going to try and... I need to get Vardy in the side and I need to get uh, one or two others. So I might take a bit of a hit and and lose a few points on one more transfer. Anyway, that's all uh, to talk about future dates. So Arsenal on Saturday. I'll be at work, but I'll be able to watch it at work, which I'm very fortunate to be able to. Uh, Rob, you'll be viewing, I presume. Are you at the ground? Are you, are you going to the game? I'm not, I'm afraid. I'm actually going to be in an escape room at the time. Out of what? my hands. Uh, we've got some friends visiting... Um, coming up from Leicester, who aren't Leicester fans, hence they're not bothered about missing the game. And uh, a third party has booked an escape room for 5.30 on Saturday. So I will be basically locked up during the game, which is annoying, but I think it's going to be quite... um, 
a hectic game and sometimes they bother me a little bit watching them live so it might be a, a blessing in disguise not being able to watch it as live uh, and having to catch up with it later on on match of the day i think i think i'll probably enjoy that because then i'll just get to see the highlights of us banging in three or four goals a few questions first of all they booked it for exactly kickoff also you have friends who are from Leicester, who are not Leicester fans. They can't be friends then. And and third, what is going on? What's happened to you? How This is the biggest game of the season. We've just spoke for 57 minutes about how it's the biggest game of the season. And we could be nine points clear, safely in the European spots for Champions League football. Arsenal at home, it's on TV. It's the biggest game on TV this weekend. There's a nonsense game on Sunday. Who cares about that one? And you're... In an escape room, you better work out how to get out of that room pretty quick and get yourself in front of a, a telly box and get that. Oh my God, I can't believe this. I had half an idea that you might be at the game. I, I can't do that game and I can't do the next one, actually. I will, I'll be there for most of them. In fact, all of them in uh, December. So I'll be live at the King of Power in December. Uh, I can actually make those games. I can't believe that, Rob. I think um, I think I've lost a little bit of respect for you. I think the listeners as well. I think they'll all agree with me. I think everyone's just lost that little bit of respect for for. We know you're fourth in the league on the fancy football, but who cares? Well, I do, obviously. But I think everyone's just lost that bit of uh, bit of respect there, Rob. That's really desperate news. We should actually feel sorry for you, but I no, this is just bad planning. Was it? I think. A sim- I think sympathy is the overriding um, feeling that you should all be feeling right now, listeners of Leicester and beyond. Please and thank you. Let me let me answer those questions. Yes, it's booked for exactly five thirty kickoff time. No, I didn't have a hand in that. It's been booked by a Liverpool fan, and our weekend's plans have incorporated watching the Liverpool Manchester City game. So now I'm regretting being the person that never actually makes the plans and just goes along with them. Maybe. Uh, maybe this is a life lesson for me that I actually have to say, right, no, I'm planning this weekend. I'm making sure it fits around my football match, not yours. Uh, the friends that are coming up, we know from Leicester, but they moved to Leicester a few years ago. So they're not actually originally from Leicester. So that's that forgives them for not being Leicester fans. Um, I bet they're not from yeah, Liverpool, I'm- though. No, they're not. No, uh, nah. these aren't the Liverpool fans. No, 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 they're, they're not the Liverpool fans. The, the the Liverpool fans actually from Coventry as well. But you know, we won't no, talk well, about well, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, actually, I'll, I'll let them off. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a shame that I won't be able to watch it in some way. But if I get out of the escape room quickly enough, um, and it's well located, the escape room, then there's every chance I might catch some, if not most, of the second half. Fingers crossed. I can't believe. Your weekend has been planned around not the biggest game of the season and not the biggest game even of the weekend. That's horrific. Anyway, okay, I I will. I've still lost a little bit of respect, but I do feel a bit of sympathy. Then I'll I'll let you off with that. Anyway, that is the podcast for this week. Now to get in contact, Twitter at FFS Pod. Do sign up to Twitter and follow us. Again, we don't publish loads and loads of rubbish on there. We're not one of those sites to do with any football club who just retweets any kind of meaningless stuff we do retweet the odd thing from Leicester and put our own bits and bobs on there but it's not uh, overkill on there so don't worry about that give us a follow give us a retweet when we do post that a new episode is live also Facebook we mentioned 
just type in for Fox 8 Podcast will come up. Again, give us a like. If you want to get in contact with the show, get in contact through replying to any posts on Facebook or on Twitter. You can email us for Fox 8 Podcast at gmail.com. I've just reminded myself that I need to try and get this on Spotify because it's quite easy to actually get it on there. And when we do, I'll put all the links on various social media platforms as well and let you know next week. That would be a task for me tomorrow. I can do that. I'll write that down. Spot Spotify FFS. There we go. So that is uh, part of what I'm going to do tomorrow because I'm uh, threatening to go and see that new uh, Terminator film, but uh, I've heard it's awful. So a review from that next week. Anyway, enjoy your weekend, Rob. Uh, we hopefully will be back next week. If we're not back, it's because Rob is still locked in a non-escape room somewhere in deepest, darkest Sheffield. So we might have to call on the resources of all the listeners of Fox Ake and we might all have to make a travel up or down or across to Sheffield and rescue Rob next week. Does he deserve to be rescued? We'll find out if he's still with us next week. 